You're listening to Felony Podcast with your host, Dave Dahl, on the Startup Radio Network. The Felony Podcast explores ex-felons that have gone on to launch their own startups. We explore the ups, the downs, the behind-the-bar stories with these founders. Felony Podcast airs every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. My name is Mark Grimes, co-founder of Startup Radio Network. Also with us in the studio, Dave's partner in crime, Lad Justison. And here's a man with a plan, leader of the band, buff and tanned, Dave, the killer bread man, Dahl. Hey, welcome to Felony Inc., everybody. I'm your host, Dave Dahl, formerly of Dave's Killer Bread. Some of you may have heard of that. Uh, Keep your feet on the ground and keep reaching for the stars, motherfuckers. With me in the studio here today is my little pal, Lad Justison. Lad, how are you doing, buddy? Dude, I, I want to give uh, you a little bit of an update on our new studio. Is that okay if I do that? Yeah, I haven't heard about it. Dude, we got this really cool studio. Um, it's cool that you haven't heard about it because you're the one that bought it. <laughs> but we got I haven't it heard all, anything new about it. Either. We got it all hooked up. Um, we got our sound all hooked up. We got Explain what it is. Our studio is actually a kind of a place where we can go and play our music. Yeah, but explain the damn what the damn thing is. Well, it's a, it's a 30-foot, it used to be a 40-foot uh, container, one of those shipping containers, but it was cut down to 30 feet. Uh, Nike used it uh, for some promotion for a while, and then uh, the original maker of it bought it back from Nike and used it as a music studio, turned basically. It, he turned it into one. That's yes, awesome. he did. Yeah. And so it's so cut it's a 30 down foot, to... It's a 30-foot container, uh, instead, you know... Shipping container instead of a forty foot. That's right, and it's uh, we got uh, wall mounted speakers, um, we got uh, monitors, full power all the way around. Full power. We got double um, air conditioners. In how, it. how wide is it? It's uh, eight feet by eight feet tall. Uh-huh. It's not. It's not real wide. I was going to say, but it works. Yeah. Uh, it's enough. You That's know? awesome. And they put the drums out in a corner, the very back corner, right? Sort yep. Of. Um, it opens both ends, but uh, in the back corner, there's the drums and, you know, but I haven't actually seen the setup yet. I, I'm, you know, these guys are working through some of the kinks and then we're going to Yeah, go it's pretty jam. cool because, you, you know, really you great. open up the one front doors, uh-huh. then it has sliding glass door in order to get in. So you can open up the doors on the side of it, you know, because me and Dave are really bad about smoking our cigarettes. Um, we have an pool. awning that comes out, one of those electric awnings, comes out Sweet. about six feet, and uh, it's pretty damn cool. We're going to be in there quite a bit. And you would have to have explosives to break into this thing. There That's, you go. It's, you know, it's it, impenetrable. Thin and, like that kind of forces you to almost kind of practice like you would on stage, you know what I mean? Like yeah. in a row, which is which I think it was always good. Yeah, I think that I think that's a good thing. Um, and we have uh, something coming up. We're gonna. Well, first of all, they're doing an interview with me at a magazine called Portland Interview, and that should be released early next month in May, uh, May 2018. And on May 9, we're going to have a little um, celebration event. They every every time they release a magazine, which is quarterly. They have this really big party, and uh, we're going to play music there. Yeah, so all on, you are definitely welcome 
Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited. Come up and guest uh, guest play for us. Play some sitar on your hard yeah, rock. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Why not? Give me a song to sing. We don't really do hard rock. We uh, more blues, blues rock. Right. That's uh, I remember that. Yeah, it's you know we we keep it pretty simple. So um, simple to, but fun. E to A to B. Yeah. All that, yeah. One, four, five is there pretty much go. our our favorite uh, Seven, progression. Three. So, uh, hey, so we're about done with that uh, small talk. Cos Marte started dealing drugs at the age of thirteen, and by nineteen, was making two million dollars a year. That's pretty good drug dealing, right there. Unfortunately, shit happens, as we all know. And really, that's not that unfortunate, is it? We, it's it's a start of a new chapter. Um, but shit went sideways for for Koss. And he went to the joint with two outcomes in mind. Lose weight and figure out some kind of legitimate business path. Now, that is fantastic. I love to hear that. And especially when somebody actually makes it happen. Uh, so, as they say, one thing led to another, lad. That's right. And at five foot, eight inches tall, Koss was 230 pounds when getting locked up. Koss was overweight, along with high cholesterol and high um, blood pressure. Shit needed to change, so he got right to it. Koss created a series of workouts he did right in his cell and, believe it or not, dropped 70 pounds in six months. With that, he knew what he wanted to do when he got out of prison. He created Koss Athletics which then became known as Conbody, a prison-style workout and his business boom, selling stuff, selling legitimate stuff. This is a cool one. I think that this is a really cool one. Um, hey, welcome to the Felony Inc. podcast there, Cos. Cos Marte. I really, thank you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, cool. Um, so I was watching the video. I... I I read as much as I could find. I don't know if you have a Wikipedia about you yet, do you? Uh, I have some sort of Wikipedia. It's like a ghetto Wikipedia. Somebody yeah. made up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it's not, yeah. it's not great. Okay. But no. uh, so I, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, tell us a little, what, what matters about your story? Like uh, family... Um, the struggles of being, you know, where where you were born, where you grew up, that kind of thing. Yeah, so um, to give you my whole overall story, I, I was born and raised in the Lower East Side of Manhattan uh, back in the 80s and 90s when it was a very, very drug-infested neighborhood. I mean, growing up, I would see heroin needles, you know, up and down my building, and there was people buying, lining up to buy dope. Um, and that's the world I lived in. You know, my mom worked hours on end, working at a factory, sewing, you know, small little uh, T-shirts for kids. Uh, and she made cents per hour, basically, you know, because um, she made ends meet. And, uh, you know, I, as she went to work and she was busy, she would leave me with my cousins, uh, my cousins who were the ones that was sitting on the corner selling drugs all day. You know, and that's what I grew up seeing. That's what I grew up. Uh, looking up to and when when I would go to school people would ask me what do you want to be when you grow up and I would tell them I wanted to be rich hmm. and um and the first opportunity was through world of drugs I see my cousins and friends on the corner who you know had the, the chains the cars the girls and that's what I that's what I imagined my life being so it became that 
that seems like a kind of a clear path choice, clear, uh, you know, vocational choice. And what else are you going to do, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, and I, I didn't. It didn't happen to me that young. Uh, I didn't grow up that way. I, I kind of fell into a lifestyle um, for various reasons. So it was later for me, but I, I certainly did dig the the lifestyle for a while. Um, but it wasn't sustainable. And <clears throat> what happens there for you? Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I, I get, I get arrested. You know, I got I got arrested multiple times in and out of the system um, since the age of 13 to 29. I was on probation, parole, all that stuff, three-time felon. Um, and, and then it all ended when I was locked up for my final stint at 23. And uh, I was sentenced to seven years in prison. And that's when I was told that I was probably going to die in prison because of my health issues. Uh, the first thing you see... And when you go to a prison as a medical doctor, so they line you up, they take your uh, blood exams and, you know, check your blood pressure and all this other stuff. They basically give you a physical. See what kind uh, of diseases, yeah, and so forth. Exactly. And uh, then a week later comes by, uh, they call me down back to the medical unit. And when they call me back down to the medical unit, this, uh, this the doctor sits me down and says, you know, you're, your cholesterol levels are, are this high. I didn't know, you know, how to, uh, um, I didn't know, I didn't understand what she was meaning about lipoderm levels and all this stuff. Uh, but when she said I could probably die of a heart attack within five years, I was like, what the fuck? Like, are, yeah. are you kidding me? Uh, and, um, and I was like, nah, I'm not going to die. You crazy. And, and I had seven years to do. So I was like, I, I can't die in this place. So I, I went, right to my prison cell and i was like yo i'm gonna just start working out i started doing push-ups dips off of the side of my bed jumping jacks and in like five minutes i said fuck this shit it's too hard i can't work out um i I laid back in my bed and just like lost hope but the next morning i woke up and i look up on my cell the the ceiling of my cell and i was like "I, i can't die in this place i started thinking about my son and I said, I needed to come home. So I went out to the prison yard the next morning, started doing laps. Uh, I, I, I was looked upon like I was weird in the prison yard because nobody ran. Yeah, uh, fuck them. Yeah, it looked like somebody, you know, I looked stupid in the yard, but people were calling me Fat Forrest Gump and all these honey bun jokes. And I ran around the, I ran around it was the tough. yard with my middle finger up. Yeah. That was tough at first, probably. Yeah, yeah, it was it was embarrassing, but you know what? I, I, it's it got me where I'm at today, you know. Yeah, and those I, are, now those people that make fun of me are asking for, asking me for jobs. You so. passed them up, didn't you? You you know, yeah. um, you know, adversity is such a great is such a great uh, teacher, and uh, I think that you experienced adversity at that point. Uh, you knew that you had a lot of reasons to think that hey, I got to change and. You found within yourself the strength uh, to do that. And I believe a lot of that comes from just saying, fuck it. I, this is who I am. I'm not going to pretend exactly. I'm anything but this. And I'm going to change it. I'm going to make it better. I mean, I know I can be better than this. And uh, I think that's what, what happens. Exactly. Yeah, and, that, and that's, that was my mentality. I said, you know, fuck it, and, and just did it, you know. Um, 
that's one of my slogans today is just do the time. You know, yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Put the work in. Use that. You, you use some of those, um, some of those old, some of that old prison lingo and stuff, uh, which is cool. I think it, it, being, you know, some of that stuff in there is pretty good. You know, it says it says yeah. it pretty well. Like just do your own fucking time is a good is a damn good thing to say. If you're, you're doing yeah. your own time, you know, uh, then you you can you know instead of other people's. Like some people go in there and they're like thinking about this guy or that guy, what his deal is, judging him and playing that. I mean, that's, we don't have time for that that stuff. We got to take care of yeah. us. But, and uh, and uh, yeah, when I when I was starting off the company, a lot of people judged me because of the you know the, they thought it was a gimmicky thing. But you know what? I said fuck it. Um, like you're going to accept what, what I'm offering. This is what I'm doing. This is what I have. You know, you, you like it or not, but you, you sign up for it, you know what you're getting into. Mm. Uh, and that, that was the reason why I changed the name from Cost Athletics to Combody. Cause that was a great move. FS, great move. Yes. What does Cost yeah. Athletics say? Nothing, but Combody says Nothing. something. Yeah. yeah. Good thinking. You know, uh, um, Cost, I'd like to um, go back and uh, can can you tell us, you know, what what kind of lifestyle were you living before you went to prison in order for you to be seventy pounds overweight? That's a good point. I mean, the lifestyle that most people live, you know, eating pizza, burgers, and street food, and and then I was I was I was smoking a lot. Um, I was smoking like fifty blunts a day. I was not moving uh, from my car. I was just basically turned my, my car into an office and was, you know, giving orders and answering phones from there. Um, I, I didn't even walk down the block, which, you know, in New York, if you come over here, every corner has a bodega. Um, I would drive my double park car down the corner, tell somebody to get out the, the car, go buy me something. Like, I was just not mobile at all. You know, I was just super, not, I was I was not lazy, but I was just like, I felt like I was a king and I needed to be served. <laughs> You're a perfect example of getting saved by going to prison. Uh, a lot of us were, exactly. were saved by going to prison. And uh, we have to, when we were able to take advantage and, instead of like some folks who want to sit around and blame, you know, their prime partner who told on them or blame the system or, you know, you don't have time yep. for that. Move on and, and, you know, do something. And that's what you did. So, uh, so the, on that on that point. So, how much time did you actually do on that seven years? Was it uh, two? I did four. Four. Okay. I did four. Yep. Uh, so that four years, you said okay. Within six months, you lost seventy pounds at some point. Yeah. So my work? my second year. Um, so I, I was in Rikers Island, which is the you know the county jail of New York. Mm -hmm. I sat I sat in nice jail place for about by the way. Year. Yeah, beautiful, amazing palm trees <laughs> for the fuck up place. Um, but anyway, yeah, I was I was sitting I was sitting in uh, in Rikers Island for about a year, and um, and and then they you, you know in Rikers Island they don't do shit. It's a dirty place. You don't see a doctor. Uh, it was not until I was state property, and uh, I got upstate. You know, medical you get the medical attention you need and. Well, I was in, in the system, I, you know, I changed my, my physical form, but my mentality was still the same. I was sneaking in weed from the officers, you know, 
dealing in there, you know, still managing shit from the inside to the outside. Still had that street mentality that I didn't want to give up uh, until until the end of my incarceration, where where I had a I call it a, a spiritual awakening, which you know. I want to hear about life. that, man. Um, I do. I mean, it, first of all, you did the. Let me see if I can work through this uh, four years. You got there and you did county jail for how long? Uh, for a year. Okay, so you're then you got three years left. But during when you're in the county, you're not working on yourself much at all. No, I'm, I'm dealing dope. You know, still having that street mentality. Yeah, but you um, but you weren't working on on your your physical situation. Uh, no, I was not. I was not working out at all until I got upstate and was told by the doctors up there that I had you know health issues. Okay, and that's so, what motivated me to start moving. So my second year, and that happens to a lot of a lot of people that they um, they find out that they have to do something and they do, and some people don't, and they die. So yeah. um, you did. How long did it take you to get started on your routine, or what? You know, say, hey, look, I got to do something, and actually start doing something about it. So that that starting that second year um, when I was in in prison. Um, uh, the second year in my sentence, I, I started moving, started working out, and and um, and and I got into that routine daily. You know, soon as, that first day, I came, went out, started running laps, uh, did as many pushes as I can, dips and jumping jacks, and then you know came out the next day, started went try to do the pull up bar, uh, do pull ups, dips, push ups, you know, around the world like people do inside. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and kept running, and that became my routine. Um, right, that from that first day, it didn't, it didn't take much to get uh, addicted, you know, because I, I had the time. I had the time to dedicate myself. Um, and it felt and I good. Said I was going to use it. Yep. It, had, yep. it, it, had was, some good. it was a natural high. Yep. Yeah. So you were. Um, I bet you had. You know, it wasn't all uphill from that point. It wasn't all beautiful every day after that you had your struggles um and nights if you're like me at all you had nights where you just said fuck man yeah yeah and, and you had str- you know maybe trouble sleeping you had bad dreams did you have any of that kind of and, thing yeah of course and then you and then you also got jail politics you know yeah. you got to deal with all the inmates bullshit and gangs and and all this other stuff so you know, fights happening, and I was in a I was in a, a prison where there was I was in a, a unit where there was fights almost every single day. So, um, they, you know, I had to I had to be standing on guard, and and, they, and I did get in fights, you know. But um, I think you, we all do. With that you you not yeah with that you dealing with fights, you dealing with you you can't you know sleep because somebody could crack your cell open, you know, beat you in the middle of the night. Um, you know, shit like that. So, and that's and then, probably that's not not the inmates, but also the the officers too. You know, so I imagine New York prisons are probably uh, you know fairly street still, but um, you know, I've I've seen a lot of different lot of changes over the years in the prison system, and um, it's hard to say what each each individual prison is like. Uh, I've experienced yeah. a lot of different. Everyone is different, and uh, and especially over time. So. Um, it's hard for me to imagine what you were going through, but I imagine it was, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't good. I know that for sure. Um, and I want to say, 
I got to make a break right here before we get on to the next bit of this. I want to hear a lot more of his story, but I got to talk about CPA dudes. Now, CPA dudes, and that's where accounting is never boring. Their price is not based on time, and I still don't believe it. But we can find out. We're going to find out. Customers decide the value to them. They don't charge you for sending invoices, phone calls, emails, texts, or meetings. They just get the job done. They'll take your balance sheet and smack it around with a lead pipe. That's what it says. And find them at cpadudes.com forward slash startup radio before they find you. That sounds scary, doesn't it? That's pretty damn scary. So, hey, Dave, I got a, I got a question here for Koss. Uh, so when you're in there, Koss, and you're, you're doing these exercises and you're losing this weight and you're getting in shape, um, and the idea came to you that, hey, you know what, this might be a viable business. Was it because you were able to help some of the other guys in there um, get in shape like you were doing? I mean, how did that start? Uh, so, so the idea when I was I was helping these other inmates out in the yard, it was just a, a building on camaraderie. So, uh, after I lost all my weight, I continued working out. It just became a daily routine. Uh, and I used to like uh, New York State prisons. You could smoke cigarettes. So, you know, after my my time, I um, after I, I did my laps, I used to sit down on the bench and smoke a cigarette. And now, which I don't recommend to anybody, and I don't smoke anymore. Um, but join the club, brother. An we inmate, do the same same thing when we could. Yeah, and, and yeah, and an inmate and an inmate came up to me. Uh, we used to call him Bus. Uh, he was about three hundred and twenty pounds, five six. Looked like he was gonna die tomorrow. Mm. Uh, he just came, as tall, he just as me. tall laying down as he was standing up, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and he came up to me and he asked me for a bus down, which means he wanted some of my cigarette. Uh, so I gave him my, some of my cigarette, and he started talking to me, and he's like, yo, I want to start running with you, man. I want to lose all this weight. And I was like, yo, let's start running, man. Let's do this. I used to look like you. He didn't know I lost all the weight until I showed him my ID picture, and my face was like my before and after picture. And he was like, get the fuck out of here. That was not you. And I was like, yeah, that was me. So I motivated him to start working out, running laps with me. And then two of his other friends started working with me, and then it became a camaraderie, though, that we just started working out together. Um, I didn't. I didn't think about a business at that point. Uh, it was just me getting together with the guys and like you know doing our thing. So, but it was not until the end of my incarceration. Um, I had about two months left. I was fortunate enough to get this program called Shock. Uh, Shock Correctional Facility is a program where ex-Marines turn correctional officers, and if you have three years before your sentence is over um you're you're allowed to do this program and it's a six-month program you get an early release uh while i was doing this program i'm doing well i had two months left my son just finished visiting me in the visit rooms i told him i'm coming home uh he was excited my family was excited and uh and a couple of days later my, they, they i get a, a call you know to report down to the medical unit um, I was waiting to see a dentist for about two years. Uh, and so I was excited. I'm going to the medical unit. This might be a dental appointment. I'm getting my teeth fixed. So I, I go oh, while I'm on my way over there. I, I get, you know, stopped by an officer. And this officer places me on the wall. 
And while he starts searching me, um, he starts searching me really aggressively. And I, I jerked my body as he was touching me. And uh, and he said, don't fuck with me. Today's not my day. Mm. And out of nowhere, he punched me behind my head, knocked me down to the ground. And at the time I had glasses, I, I dropped down to the ground. I picked up my glasses. I turned around on the officer uh, to avoid another hit. And as soon as I turned around, he pressed his button and his walkie-talkie, which we call the, the pin over here. Uh, and when that pin is pressed, about a dozen officers come to the scene and they beat the crap out of you. Uh, and they threw me inside. Sounds familiar, inside brother. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Keep going. So, no, this this yeah, totally I mean, sounds like, I mean, I've been through that shit, too, and uh, more than once. And, uh, yeah, you and know, it was. Go ahead. No, yeah. and it was, yeah, it was, I was not devastated, you know, I guess since the solitary confinement. Uh, and it's uh, where it's nine by six, 23 and one. Uh, they actually had me in 24-hour lockdown, which is illegal. Um, mm -hmm. And I was there going crazy because I had no way to communicate with anybody. Uh, and, and what was most devastating was that this officer wrote that I was uh, attempting to assault this guy. And I was, I was facing three more years in prison behind the situation. Um, so instead of me being re early released, I was going to do my full seven years now. Uh but I, I, all I was, all I could think of was just like, how the hell am I gonna get out of here? And next thing I know, uh, officer opens up the slot, you know, where they feed the food at, through the door in the cell, and he passes me a paper pen and an envelope. And I quickly grab that. I sit at the little desk that you have in your cell, and I started writing out a letter to my family, letting them know, get me a lawyer, get me the hell out of here. I'm in a fucked up situation. This officer did this, that, you know, I was, I was playing the victim. Um, and I was like, oh, I need help. And, uh, and then I enclosed Well, you're letter. playing the victim. You're playing the victim, but uh, I, I might add that oh. you were actually a victim. But uh, right, Yeah, but, I was a victim. Yeah. But at the same time, yeah, I mean, you have to rise above somehow. Yeah. Okay. No, I, 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 you're correct. I was a victim. Um, but I was, I was just like always thinking like me, 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 right. you know what I mean? Uh, and always every, the whole system was wrong. Everybody else was wrong, uh, you know? Uh, so yeah, you can't win um, that way. You can't win that way. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. You just got to accept it and move forward. Yeah. Um, so I, I write, I write out this letter to my family, letting them know I'm in a messed up situation and I enclosed the letter and I, I, I realized I had no stamp to send out this letter with. <sighs> I had no stamps to send out the letter with, so I had no way to communicate with anybody in the outside world. Nobody knew that I I was, I was not coming home in two months, um, and it was a devastating situation. I started banging my head on the cell wall, and um, I don't know what the fuck to do. I was I was I was in like a depressive mode, and um, and it was not until a week later, my sister. Uh, who's like super religious, Mother Teresa's child, hmm. uh, decided to write me a letter. She finds out I'm in solitary confinement because I, I, you know, I was always calling home and they, they was worried that I was not calling home. So they called the prison and found out I was in a box. Uh, and she writes me a letter and tells me everything's going to be all right. All I want you to do is read Psalm 91 from the Bible. And what does that say? And I, Psalm 91 states, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my shelter and my fortress, my God, and who I trust. 
uh, she told me to read that because she felt like everything was going to be okay if I read those words. Uh, I read those words. I, I, I didn't, first of all, I didn't even pick up the Bible when she told me to read that letter. When I read that letter, I took that letter and threw it in the corner myself. And out of boredom, after two days, I, I decided to pick up the Bible. And uh, I turned to Psalm 91 and read that. And as soon as I read those words, a stack fell out of my Bible. Oh, cool, man. I love that. It was it was crazy. I got chills through my whole body, and I felt like there was something bigger than myself for the first time. Uh, and I realized that I, I was not this big kingpin dude that was unstoppable. You know, I was I was humbled. That's, I realized that there's something bigger than myself, you know, cool. and I need to respect it. And, uh, and I read the Bible from front to back, and that was the first time I realized that I was— what I was doing, what I grew up doing was wrong. You know, that I was not only affecting my, my family and, and and my son, but the thousands of people I sold drugs to. And, and, and I started realizing that these individuals had families as well that were being affected. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for the first time, I felt so much regret. And I asked God, how can I pay back? How can I pay back for all the wrongdoings that I've done? And it hit me like a light bulb. And it said, like, yo, I'm, I'm helping these guys in the yard. You know, this is what I want to do. This is my passion. I love working out, you know, and I, and, and this is what I did. You know, um, I, I began writing my whole routine. I wrote out a whole 90-day routine in, in solitary confinement. Uh, I wrote out my prison food menu, the shit that I was eating in there. I actually came out with my book uh, three weeks ago, and it's it's available on Amazon now, but it's a lot, of top ramen, whole, a lot of top ramen. Yeah, man. yeah, yeah. All that shit. Yeah. yeah. Corn uh, chips. You give me flashbacks. Man. <laughs> the spread. Uh, hey, lad, let's do a spread. The spread, yeah, there man, you go. The spread. Yeah. yeah. We, we call them prison prison burritos over here. Oh, we had those uh, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Even way over here on yeah. the west coast. Yeah. yeah. Go, go ahead. Uh, not to interrupt no, you. No, no, it's cool. Um, but I, I wrote out my whole thing on that on pa- pieces of paper and pen, and and I said this is what I was going to do when I came home. I was released from that that prison about a year later, and um, and I went straight to the park. I went back to my mom's block. You know, everybody you know wanted me to go back hustling and was you know tempted me, and I said I'm not doing any of that shit. I don't even know where to find a cigarette, like get away from me with that that shit so i all i did was wake up every single morning 5 30 started doing workouts right in the park um and started doing the, the the routines and started going up to people telling them i'm doing this whole workout thing people in the neighborhood looked at me like i was a freak like i was crazy i went from making millions of dollars to, to going to the park you know promoting workouts and and not making any money at the, in the beginning um, but but and, you, I and bet and you I, made I, a lot I, of you, you got some yeah. satisfaction out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I told people like, "Yo, this is gonna work. Like, this is gonna blow up. Team up with me." Blah blah blah. Nobody wanted to, you know, help me out. But I I started going up to all these females wearing yoga pants, hmm. and I started pitching them. Man, I started telling them, "Yo, I'm doing this prison style workout in the park. Like, all body weight. Come check me out." Blah blah blah. Went on every train you could think of and like handed out flyers and cards and you know just promoting my ass off and then um lad's always trying like, to promote his ass too but uh that's a different, <laughs> that's a different deal 
Yeah. It works. <laughs> I got to take a quick break here. We got another ad. We got uh, pork bun domains, websites, and internet internet commerce. Websites and internet commerce. That's a mouthful for me. For the rest of us, don't be a goddamn pig, lad. I'm not. Pork bun, where you can get website domain names for your business or personal brand with the lowest prices and amazing free services. Yeah, and hey, everyone's heard of .com, .net, or .org, but did you know you can get a domain name that matches what your startup does? If you are a design entrepreneur, you can get a .design dom domain name. See, I got it right that time, Dave. Good job, girl. Use your imagination and contact them at porkbun.com forward slash startup radio. What do you think of that there, cost? Pretty good, huh? That's dope. That's dope. So uh, what, would, uh, what would what would what would uh domain name be? Think about that real quick. Yeah. <laughs> well, we, we're using Combody, we're using Combody, so that's uh, and then I, I, I'm going to start doing it in my own domain for like speaking engagements and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm working on getting speaking engagements. Yeah, you're you're ready for that. Yeah, you could be good at that. So. Right at this moment, where uh, we got all this stuff going on, uh, con is there cost? I mean, is there any uh, information that you might want to throw out there to our listeners so they can contact you? Yeah, yeah just, let's do the whole pitch. Do the pitch, and then we'll yeah. come back to some of the more, some of the stuff, some of the. Uh, we'll maybe get into the details of your of your body of your um, of what you do, but let's hear your pitch. Yeah, so Combody is a prison-style boot camp where we hire formerly incarcerated individuals to teach fitness classes. Uh, we, you can check us out at Combody.com, hit us up at info at Combody.com, or just give us a straight call at 347-251-0423. You can follow us on every social media handle at Combody, that's C-O-N-B-O-D-Y, like Convict Body, uh, and check us out. Follow us, message us, hit us up. Con body is such a uh, memorable way, memorable term. I th I, you really hit something there, man. Uh, I've been I've been looking forward to this just because uh, I thought that name was so good. I've been kind of looking forward to that for a while. Uh, yeah. So uh, let's let's get into a little bit about what kinds of exercises you do. I, you know. Uh, what makes you guys, what makes what you do so effective? Yeah, so we, we it's so effective because we, we, we actually call this a prison workout because in prison, we take shit to the limit. You know, when you go to that prison yard, dudes is doing a thousand push-ups, you know, a hundred a clip, like, and then pushing each other to, you know, do a thousand more. Um, and that, and that's what we do. We do, uh, you know, simple, simple exercises that you probably, uh, heard of and stuff that I made up while I was in, in, in the box, um, jumping jacks, dips, pushups, squats, squat thrusts, burpees, uh, anything you could do with your body. We could, we, we made a, a routine out of it. Um, and, and that's what, and that's what we concentrate on. And that's why it's so effective because we push each other to the next limit and it's not, your you know, your bougie workout, it's uh, it's the real deal. It's no frills. That's cool. So it's a lot of reps and because it's it's a lot of endurance, a lot of... Um, yep, and no yeah. breaks. Yeah, no that's, breaks. that's great. Uh, it's a great way to work out. You get a lot out of, you know, 
it benefits so many different aspects. Um, for me, my you know my downfall in exercise was that I had this really shitty workout partner. Uh, Don't like, even go there. <laughs> but you know, if I'd have just Blame done it on Mark, yeah, hey, well. It's on, not Mark, and Mark's the guy that, that introduced it. It's Lad. Blame um, it on Mark anyway. Yeah, we can blame it on Lad. Yeah. We can blame it on Mark. He's not even here. Yeah, he left, and he Lad. left earlier, so we can. But uh, no, really, I, you can't blame nobody for your shit, right? I mean, I, I did uh, the, I did the time, I, I did the crime, I, I got to do the time. I, I'll never have. My body will never be like it was when I was young. But hey, I still work out. I still do what I can, and uh, um, you know, it's. Uh, it, it works. It, it's just not. It's not what I was dreaming I would be when I was 55. But um, you know, I make up. I make up for it in other ways. Just, just to motivate you with something, my my mom is 63. She does this four times a week. Yeah, oh wow! I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. But did did you yeah. have a chance to? Uh, this is Lad. Yeah. Did you have a chance to look up Dave and uh, at all, or kind of do? Um, or have you heard of Dave before? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I've heard of Dave Killers Bread, and, and I know you guys worked with the Five Ventures um, and, and supported uh, Catherine Hoke a little bit. Um, that's, uh, as, yeah, that's actually the and, company and, as it is now, but uh, I, I know Catherine, and we're going to have her on soon. Um, yeah. And uh, I like what she's doing, but I haven't, yeah. I never really got involved in that. That was more my brother. Uh, Glenn. Yeah, uh, your, your brother. So I met your brother, I think, in uh, when I went to Pelican Bay. Um, uh, uh, for so you went inside over there. there? Yeah. Yep. Uh, trained the guys in solitary confinement there. Oh, that's cool. So how how is the business doing? Um, are you are so, you able to make a living at this yet? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing it full time. I'm I'm living. I'm paying myself. You know it's. It's a uh, it's a struggle, you know, because I have one location right now, uh, and I'm looking for more investors to come on board. There's there's a lot of people, you know, they say that you know they want to help us and all this other stuff, and and when it comes down to it, you know, uh, they they get scared at the fact that I'm working with former incarcerated individuals. They feel like it's a it's a liability, and and, um, and you know what? I tell them like, fuck it, I'm gonna keep moving, I'm gonna keep pushing. You know, one location we made it profitable. We're we're making money, so. Uh, you know, I'm just keep pushing on, and hopefully we can find the right people to to invest and uh, take this to the next level. I want to take it nationwide here. It's a risky it's a risky group um, as cons yep. and stuff, but it's also with that risk, like with most um, most investments that are risky. You know, a lot of times there's there's such a great upside to it if you. In this case, I think, with my experience with ex-felons, including myself, Lad, and other guys, um, I've seen turnarounds that make people exceptional employees, exceptional, exceptional, um, you know, leaders. And so um, I've seen all that, and I, it, it really comes down to, I've found, um, you know, finding people that have a story that can tell you that, Hey, uh, explain how they got to this point where they're actually a, a good uh, a good person for a, a you know a good candidate for whatever. Uh, and so if you're I choosing like the right the people, hungriest. let's go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I feel like that demographic of individuals are, are one of the most hungriest. Yes. Uh, people that I know. 
they just want more. Yeah, when they when they are able to um, be humble enough to say, okay, I don't need that instant gratification. I have to get over that. It's not going instant, to gra instantly gratify me and make me super powerful, you know, because people think they they talk about instant power. They, you know, get out out of the out of the uh, out by noon. What is it? Out the gate by eight, in the spoon by noon, lad. Yeah, that's right. Things like that. Yeah. Um, you know, Dave, I was, I was trying to, I was thinking back, you know, when uh, you still had the bakery and, and uh, you know, about 30% of your workforce, uh, you know, was ex-felons. Uh, the thing that uh, might give you a little um, inspiration, uh, Cost, is that because of Dave's uh, hiring of, uh, of ex-felons and everything, we had other companies uh, around the Portland area and Northwest actually take a look at that and actually, you know, have a conversation with Dave. And then they actually hired, remember Burgerville actually yeah. did that and as I well. Saw so. it, and it happened in other cities, too, that I visited. Um, so, I mean, I think, yes. I think uh, you know, Koss already is on to it, and he's... You got the right idea, and there's nothing easy about any of this. Um, so, oh, no. <laughs> I mean, have just hard-earned success is, a, is you know even even if it's and, and you know I I don't want to say that anything I, I never want to jinx something you know because I don't believe in jinxing I don't think that really happens but uh, if you were to say hey. This maybe this particular thing doesn't work, didn't doesn't come out and make you a million dollars or make you millions. Uh, if it say if it doesn't, well, the experience you're going through and the process you're going through, if you look at it as part of the journey, it doesn't really matter because you're yep. you just got to keep going and learn from your from your mistakes or your your failures, if you want to call them that. When you're when you're when you're uh, capable of doing that then, hey, the sky's the limit, and you're going to enjoy the journey, so that's all that really matters. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. That's, that's really my experience. I, you know, I've, had my, I've had my ups and downs, and trust me, since, uh, since I had my turnaround in life. And, but fortunately, yeah. because of that, because of the lessons that I learned along the way, I was able to overcome my own, uh, my own falls and failures. So, uh, you know, I... I think you you sound like you know the things you're saying sound to me like you know um, what it it's, takes what it takes and it's real it's real yeah and just what you're doing is is like a reward in itself just the work you're doing and you know Casa I'm one of those kind of guys that uh, kind of a bleeding heart I love a good story um, and I always love the fact you know because when I I did 20 years in prison. And when straight. I got out, you know, the biggest thing... Actually, he uh, wasn't straight, but uh, it, was a, it was 20 years straight. <laughs> but anyway. So, but the, the thing is, the you know, that affected me was, you know, how I had affected my mother and my family and all that stuff, you know. And I mean, how proud right now is your family, your mother, doing your workout? I mean, how proud are they of you at this point? Oh, man. Uh, I mean, my, my family basically disowned me before, and uh, now all they, all they yep. do is talk about me. So it's a, uh, it's a blessing, man. It's a blessing. I came home, I, you know, I was, it was, I went in and out a whole bunch of times. And sometimes I told them I'm not going back to stuff and lied to them. And when I came home this time, I said, I'm not doing this. They didn't believe me. 
uh, the only person that, that stuck by me, you know, is Mama Love. You know, that, that, that love, uh, you know, they take those nine, ten hour trips uh, to go see you. So she uh, she believed me, man, and, and she stuck by me. And um, and then now my siblings are, are, you know, helping me out with a whole bunch of stuff. And, and they're doing the right thing. So it's been a, it's been a true blessing, man. And, and to see my son you know, go to school and get straight A's and be one of the greatest kids I, I've ever known or seen. And it's, that's, that's real, that's real money right there. That's money. That's money right, right, right there. Alon, what do you think, buddy? Hey, so are, you're living in uh, Oregon now? Me? I'm, I'm in the Lower East Side. I'm, oh, you're I'm in back the... in the... Alon, by the way, the by the way, Alon is our <laughs> engineer slash, uh, you know, uh, gopher, he goes, hey, Alan, go get me some coffee. Yeah, I don't, you oh. know I don't do that. <laughs> okay. uh, yeah, I, I, I started uh, going to the uh, LES around uh, 89 or so, and my family's been there since then, so I'm familiar with uh, what it used to be like. I was a uh, average yeah, 6 and B, basically. Oh, you, you, you was in the nitty-gritty, so yeah. you know how that, that avenue B was. Oh, yeah, and uh, yeah. people... Uh, uh, what did we got? Junkies pushing baby carts was the big thing at the time. Yep. Burnt out cars, yep. gas station over yep. there. Yeah. And in box, a weird way, it was kind of, building. I kind of miss it a little bit, I have to say, because it's cleaned yeah. up so much now. To think that yeah, you can no, live on it, Avenue C is bizarre. Yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was less, it was more of a community back then than what it was now, but no, it's, it's less dangerous now. That's for sure. Less of a community, you know what I no, mean? No, no, yeah, More I hear you. Because like when I was doing shows, uh, I remember you, you'd get home, uh, even to the the bottom the bottom door of your uh, apartment, and it would close behind you, and you got your guitar in one hand and an amp in another, and you'd say, I made it. <laughs> yeah. No one <laughs> took my shit. <laughs> but there's something kind of fun about that, you know? Yeah. There is. Uh, the, you know, I did my months in Detroit, Michigan, and... Uh, not a good part of Detroit either, and um, man, I wouldn't do it again. I would not, but I understand the nostalgia. Yeah, it's uh, weird, right? Yeah, I was on the street for for months, and I I lived with the cockroaches, and you know the you know just the burnt buildings. Um, we got something coming in. We gotta just say no to that. Say no. So, um, Cos, I'd like to know, can you tell us your biggest, you know, the the person that came in and was like your biggest success? Besides yourself. Uh, I, would, I, w I would say, so I have 17 employees now, 14, 14 of them have, have been in the system. Um, my biggest success has to be uh, Sultan Malik. Uh, Sultan Malik did 14 years in prison, seven years in solitary confinement. Um, is he's been rated top trainer, Reebok trainer of the country now. Uh, was in a top five finalist. Uh, it's been we've been featured in every magazine you could think of. But for somebody that you know, he's my senior trainer and, and uh, VP of the company. But now for somebody that spent seven years in solitary confinement to come home sane and uh, and, and come home hungry. Um, I mean, he's buying his own house now, you know, which is which is a blessing, man. I wonder what he he's did. He's only been home. Obviously, he worked out when he was in uh, solitary, but he uh, must have done some reading and uh, doing some other things that kind of kept him sane, right? Oh yeah, definitely, man. And uh, 
he's told me so many crazy stories. You know, he was he was head of the Crips over here, um, in the New York State uh, prisons. Um, so he was sending people on missions and all that crazy stuff. Yeah. Um, so and, and that's and, tough and, to get and, over. That's tough to get you know yeah. to leave behind because there's yeah. a lot of a lot of pressure there. Uh, I wanted to ask you before I forget about this uh, this guy Bus the Bus. How did he end up doing? So Bus, I haven't I haven't seen him since I've been home. Um, uh, I don't know what what's going on with him. Uh, did he lose? He, was he, he lost, able to lose that weight? He lost eighty pounds with me. Mm. He lost eighty pounds with me. Got got in the, in the habit of running and and uh, and I lost in touch. I lost touch with him. Uh, you know when I moved to that other prison. Um, and then he went, he went home. I know he went home before me, uh, but yeah, I, I haven't kept in touch with him. You know, uh, that reminds me, some people are self starters and self motivators. They, they, they have it inside them to do it no matter what. And others need, need to have that constant sort of push. And, yeah. um, I don't know that it's a bad thing that they need that, but that's the way they are and um so uh, we have to realize everybody's got different ways that they that they uh thrive uh so i want to give you one more chance to one more chance to redeem yourself there cause no um okay <laughs> you've already you've already yeah. shown that you're you're on a redemption path um but give it give me anything else that you would like to say as to wrap up because we're getting short on time or do you uh, I, w- I, w- I would just like to wrap up for, for anybody that's listening to this uh, and wants to be an entrepreneur that's coming out of the system is trust the process. You know, trust that process. You continuously do the right thing and you get a, a million times, you know, you're going to be hitting bumps on the road. It's going to be one of the hardest things you ever go through in your life, but uh, you're going to get 10 times folds uh, after that. You know, I, I continuously keep putting positive energy out there, keep doing the right thing. And a, a whole bunch of things come back to me. And that's what I felt like when I read those, those words from Psalm 91 was to trust the God's process, trust, trust that higher process. Um, and everything's going to be all right. I feel like my mom is one of the most successful people on this planet. She's, you know, 63 years old, works out with me four times a week, only makes $12 an hour, but, she, you know, wakes up every day, eats whatever she wants. She cooks the best food, uh, wears whatever the fuck she wants, and you know, and pays all her bills on time. And she's still living, and, yeah. and I feel like that's true. That's true. That success. A lot. It's not all, not all about all this money and glamour, and that's and that's what I learned. Um, yeah, you, you know, know, that is life. That is such a good point, man. That is such a good point. I don't. I have never been happier. But the money I have now, I'm not any happier than um, when I was creating the bread, working my ass off, didn't know it was going to be successful. Um, I was just successful already in my mind. You know, I was just like, I became that way, which was just such a transformation for me. Um, I, I got so excited about living and creating and working. You know, all of it was great to me and just, you know, having been in, in a state of adversity where it, you're just like suicidal. I mean, I was, and yeah. you managed to get through that. 
and you, you've hit the bottom and you're all you're doing is like, wow, everything's better than that. You know, and after a while, it's just like, yeah. wow, anybody that isn't does hasn't discovered that you're like you feel compassion for them. You know, like yeah. I, I, I learned to feel compassion for these these jackasses that like the corrections officers that can be real jackasses. Um, I figured mm -hmm. that they're they're less happy than I am. So oh, I'm like, man, I hope that guy can learn what I've learned. You know, that, that'll make the world a better place. If that guy, if this guy, this girl, if they learn what I've learned, man, because I am happy. I know how to be happy. And I think that's what I hear in your voice and what you're saying. Well, you know, exactly. cause, uh, exactly. I'd like to tell you on a personal level that, uh, you know, I've seen a lot of success stories, but your success story is uh, really moving. And I, I know you've heard this before, but I'm very proud of you, man. Thank you, man. Way to kiss that ass, man. Lot. It means that no, it means a lot to, to coming from you guys, man. Yeah. That, that that you know, you look at what you're doing, man. You're sitting in the back of a mic, chilling in a in a, in a crate, you know, yeah. and, uh, yeah. and and just like. You know, man, eating living, all the fruits right now, man. We're living the dream. The I hope I hope you can stop and see us. I know that if I get out there, if I get anywhere close out there, I'm going to come see you and see what you're up to. So you, got, you guys in L.A., right? Uh, we're in Portland. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, kind of a little bit. Most people, that's a little out of the way, but... Uh, if you ever get up here, and somewhere we're going to see each other, I know that it's going to happen because we're our minds are working the same direction. So hey, I got to wrap this up, man. It's been really good. It's been it's been a it's been a very fruitful conversation, very positive. Super excited about uh, what you're doing, and uh, thanks, Cos. Thank you, man. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And everybody else, uh, thank you for joining us this week on Felony Inc with Dave Dahl, that's me, and thank you to our guest, Cos Marte. Join yep. us, jo right on, join us this and every week, live at Startup Radio, wait, startupradionetwork.com. If you don't join us live, we may just visit your house late at night when you're least expecting it, and make you listen, breaking, entering lad's ass. This will be full on breaking and listening. That's not what it said. But coming up after the break is Latino Founder Hour with your hosts, Edgar Navis and Claudia Cardenas. These guys are the coolest. Yes, they are. Their podcast. Good looking couple. Oh, man, I'm telling you. Yeah. Their podcast is usually in Spanish, so que pasa. They do not have radio faces, trust me. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen, learn, launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.